0: You're listening to the Voice of Dog. This is Rob McWolf, your fellow traveler, and today's story is The Session, by Khaki, a faithful fireside companion you may have heard of, who went by Alex Vance back then when his muzzle wasn't so gray. This story was originally submitted to the Erotic Furry Writing Group in 2005, where a young, bright-eyed Khaki would meet many writers, make many friends, and then go on to create the furry anthologies Fang and Roar. The furry publishing imprint, Bad Dog Books, the furry fiction archive, furrag.com, and two redesigns of So Furry, and a certain furry podcast you may have heard of.
1: Because that's how we start. We're readers and fighters and lovers and writers. We're makers, and the best things we can make are friends.
0: Today's story is read for you by Khaki, your faithful fireside companion. Rob McWol, Werewolf Hitchhiker, Kerjibee, a full-time Panther, Takom Ironhoop, the Equine Charmer, BP Rugger, the Ineffable Moo Moon, Killick, the Dungeon Master Dog, Nenikiri Bookworm, the Bespectacled Dragon, Crimson Rowery, the Mountain Smith, Madison Scott Clary, whose tale is behind her, Dirt from Twitter.com, Carizo, your Coyote in the Court. Draylen, the dapper dragon fox and Tempo, a fluffy dog in a cowboy hat. Please enjoy The Session by
1: Khaki and Friends. The squirrel bit his lip, large front teeth pushing down almost to his chin as he concentrated on the crystal, trying desperately to relax. Leather squeaked under him as he sat up to peer at the crystal held in front of him, trying as he was told to to let himself be swept away by the beauty of the refracted light, the rainbow patterns and angular highlights absolutely mesmerizing to his objective eye, but failing utterly to mesmerize him. "'It's not working,' the squirrel said with a dejected sigh, slumping back into the leather sofa and covering his face with his paws. He didn't like failure at all, and when he uncovered his eyes he tried not to look at his therapist and instead— At the painting behind her, a painting on the wall of a maple tree casting its shadow on a green hill. The koala smiled at him, and she sat a little closer. Her legs were folded in that professional manner that left her knees covered by her skirt and offered a sense of relaxed casualness without giving a patient cause for undue excitement. She continued to hold the pendulum crystal, swinging it patiently in front of the reticent squirrel and spinning its brilliant colors over his face. This isn't a test, you know. There isn't anything you have to do except look and relax, she explained, with a soft stroke over his arm. The squirrel jerked his arm back and rubbed it as if it had been burned, then quickly folded his whiskers in apology. The koala merely chuckled, making the crystal jangle on its chain before she held it still again. The squirrel lay back down on the futon, refocused his eyes on the swaying crystal, "'laying his hands flat on his chest "'to keep them from fidgeting with his wedding band. "'But that only served to make him fidget with his tie. "'It was always too constricting, no matter how loose he wore it, "'and always too loose to look smart, no matter how far he tightened it. "'He linked his fingers to incarcerate his unquiet paws, "'twitched his whiskers, and concentrated on the crystal "'until beads of sweat began forming on his brow. "'My eyes are starting to hurt, Miss Muniz, "'the squirrel said with a soft whine,' linking his ankles as well. The squirrel was too short for his feet to rest on the futon's footrest, though he could just touch the leather upholstery with his footpads if he stretched out enough, but now he felt compelled to pull his knees up and make himself even smaller. The koala smiled. She did that a lot, and even though it made the squirrel nervous, he nevertheless liked it when she did. That's all right. You can close them. Just remember what the crystal looked like, how it moved. Call me Jane, like we talked about. (laughs) Sorry, Jane, whispered the squirrel as he closed his eyes. Ah, but that felt good. His head was turned such that the sunlight that slipped through the officer's blinds warmed his tufted ears without brightening the sweet blackness of closed eyelids. Though it wasn't all black now. As Miss Mouniz had said, he could remember what the crystal looked like. The squirrel studied its memory more carefully than he had when his eyes were open, rolling onto his side to get a better look at its radiant afterimage, enjoying the feel of the futon now the leather had worn to his body. He admired its long shape, its crisp angles. Some facets reflected the light directly, others refracted it. And he saw his own face, graying at the whiskers, dark rims around his eyes from work and worry, "'splintered in a thousand little reflections "'with rainbows scattered between them "'that made him seem a decade younger. "'He smiled at that, "'something the squirrel didn't do very often, "'and if he'd had his eyes open "'he might quickly have stopped "'so as not to offend Miss Mouniers. "'But in the crystal-lit darkness of his
0: closed eyes "'the squirrel let himself smile a little longer "'and took a deep breath "'that smelled of lightly-scented candles, "'leather, and patience.' Is it okay if I doze? He asked in a low murmur, letting the image of the crystal fade as though it were blurring, and he felt himself approaching a deeper rest than he'd experienced in months, if not years. But Miss Moonis didn't answer him, and immediately the alert squirrel sat upright, looking about in concern. Miss Moonis? He asked, worry in his voice. But it was all right. Miss Moonis was just a little further away talking to a mouse under the maple tree. Squirrel was relieved to see she was still there and, rolled onto his back again to look up at the blue sky, closing his mouth as his mother had taught him at the sight of birds flying overhead. They were so high as to be no more than slow-moving pencil lines on azure paper, like his youngest continued to draw, despite the squirrel's efforts to teach her the proper shape of a bird. I'd like you to meet someone, said Miss Munez and the squirrel, who no longer felt drowsy, sat upright on the futon. Soft,
2: damp grass crunched under his footpads, and he wiggled his toes to enjoy the crisp sensation as he nodded greeting to the guest Miss Muniz wanted to introduce him to. He was a mouse, all white, and the big ears that seemed to him usually to be so comical suited this particular mouse perfectly.
3: The mouse had a beach towel wrapped around his waist, No, one of those fancy foreign garments of which the squirrel didn't know the name. The fabric was thin, as fragile and colorful as the rainbow sparkles of the crystal he'd so admired in the brief spell he'd had with it in the darkness of his closed eyelids, and the squirrel thought to himself that he had never seen anyone look so manly in a skirt. My name is Holiday, said the mouse as he approached with soft footsteps, his thin pink tail trailing behind him like smoke after a matchstick and he knelt in the constantly shifting shadow of the maple tree that swayed in the breeze. It's warm today. Would you like to join Join me me in the shade? The mouse offered, and his
4: voice was like a beloved school lesson, clear and well thought out and satisfying. The squirrel looked at Miss Muniz, who was standing by the maple tree. She reached into one of the knot holes and withdrew some jewel cases for CDs. What a clever place to keep your music collection, thought the squirrel, who liked people who were so well organized.
5: Go ahead, said the koala, looking so very comfortable in her smart black business suit, leaning down to feed one of the CDs into the maple tree's bark, and when the tree's branches began to sway with smoothly rolling jazz music, the squirrel stood up and felt the futon vanish beneath him. Even though the squirrel still felt uneasy, out here on a grassy hill with nothing around but rolling green copses of trees, herds of deer and horses, a little river winding through a shallow glen with eager salmon jumping the tiny waves and waterfall, even so the squirrel's hands didn't fidget.
6: He smoothed back his long whiskers and the tips of his ears for comfort and sat down on the grass with the mouse called Holiday, for once not worrying about the grass stains on his best khakis. ''I'm Emil Galardi," said the squirrel, and he was pleased with the sound of his voice, because it didn't sound like he was apologising for existing like it usually did.
7: ''Can I call you Emil?'' asked Holiday, his hands folded in his rainbow-wrapped lap. The branches, swept up by the lazy intonations of a saxophone that seemed to be playing a song for the fish in the stream more than the people under the tree, swayed to the side and the sun illuminated Holiday's shoulders. The white shine of his pelt was brighter even than the crystal's gleam had been, and the squirrel found himself leaning forward to see it more closely, nodding idly to the mouse's question.
8: When the branches moved back again, letting the mouse enjoy the cool shade once again, the squirrel had leaned forward so far forward that his nose pad touched the mouse's chin. But even when he looked up, the squirrel couldn't bring himself to apologize for that. This place where the air smelled so fresh and exhilarating, it seemed to have a, a flavor. didn't seem like a place for apologies. So he simply smiled at the friendly, handsome mouse, who smiled back, and then he turned his head and smiled at Jane, and she smiled back as well, and he thought he understood why Jane smiled at people so often. It was rather nice, smiling.
9: It's still too warm, don't you think, Emile? asked holiday and the squirrel noticed for the first time that the mouse's eyes were purple but when he wondered why he hadn't noticed that before he looked again and now they were orange and then yellow and green blue and back to the purple that had caught his eye before slipping on to red yes the squirrel agreed his nose pad touching the mouses as he marveled at the colors in his eyes Do you think it would be all right if we went for a swim in the stream? The squirrel hadn't intended intended to say that
10: at all, but it sounded like a very good idea now that he had said it. He laid his hand on Holiday's forearm without thinking, without even registering how soft the pelt was, how strong the muscle, and looked at Jane with hope in his eyes. May we? He asked, as hopeful as a child at a dinner he has looked forward to. The koala clapped her hands together and laughed. And so did the mouse and the squirrel, who now thought that laughing was perhaps even better than smiling.
11: That sounds like a wonderful idea to me, she said, now wearing a sarong. That was the word. He did know it, like Holiday. And as she clapped her paws together, the squirrel took hold of the mouse's paw and positively dragged him to his feet as he darted off towards the stream, the squirrel's plume of a tail bouncing behind him.
7: Holiday seemed as excited as the squirrel was a thousand-faced mirror image of himself with a splash of rainbow to lend the mouse a youth the squirrel had whittled away on duty and work, but not only duty and work, and they had been hardly a waste.
6: He held Holiday's hand as he ran through tall grass and low, fragrant dandelion and succulent clover, and it was like holding his wife's hand when he said his vows and heard or her say hers, hers. Or, or
2: shaking, shaking hands, hands with, with the senior me. partner of his firm, and accepting the job of head architect among applause and flashbulbs, or that mind-blowing connection of a little hand squeezing squeezing his his pinky
9: pinky as he gazed upon the baby held in his wife's exhausted arms in the hospital, and the second baby in in the the hospital hospital as as well,
11: and the third in the house, with his two other children around him and his wife
4: shining flashlights against the blacked-out darkness and holding towels for for daddy, and when a thunderclap roared outside and a bright flash illuminated the house, Everyone gasped at the sight of a new life. It was all of
5: those feelings, holding Holliday's ho- warm, strong hand, and the squirrel wouldn't let go.
0: The thunderclap he'd remembered then rolled through the valley for real, startling some deer, and as the herds trotted for the safety of tree cover, they caused butterflies to fly up from the field, their fantastical wings beating audibly, though quickly overreached by the patter of fresh summer rain. The
3: blue of the squirrel's work shirt turned to deep violet as the rain soaked it, and briefly he wondered if it would change to purple and red like the mouse's eyes. But he had arrived at the stream, and the stream was now a lake of clear water, where rain ripples toyed with the view of
5: the rocks at the bottom or the fish swimming in it. Without thought, thought or hesitation, the squirrel and the mouse leapt off the rocky overhang they'd reached while running, letting the rain soak them as quickly as the sun could dry them before making the sun's work all the harder by plunging deep into the water, dragging a cloud of bubbles along with them that briefly danced with their soaking, sinking bodies like clouds or foam, and then vanished, leaving only the peaceful clarity and weightlessness of warm water, schools of fish, fish dancing. dancing
4: the distance and the drum of rain on the water's surface as if on a glass ceiling. Still holding Holiday by the hand, the squirrel could think of no reason
8: to go back up.
4: Air wasn't important. He felt perfectly comfortable, aside from his tie.
8: As if he could read the squirrel's mind, the mouse tugged himself forward by the grip that linked their paws, and his free hand sought out the complicated knot at the squirrel's throat, tugging it loose, almost scraping it away, as if it were a thick smudge of wet paint. After that, the squirrel's shirt came away like Christmas wrapping paper, and as the squirrel swam out of his trousers, he found the mouse's skirt, his sarong. was now a school of multicolored silvery fish, or rather it seemed it had always been, and now now that that they they were were
7: immersed in water, they had awoken from their slumber and scurried off to join their friends at the edges of the lake. The squirrel exhaled a bubbly gasp of wonder as he beheld the naked mouse, a male, no less, who still held his hand and swam circles around him. That dazzling white pelt pelt reflected the hues of the sun and the water and
5: the rocks and the fish as it pleased and his eyes continued to mesmerize him with the light they refracted. Holiday floated with the grace of a dancer and the abandon of a circus acrobat, displaying a feminine waist. waist
11: with masculine hips, delicate, expressive arms on broad shoulders, a handsome face with positively pretty eyes. Kissing him was like kissing his wife on their wedding night.
6: The squirrel hadn't even realized it, but he'd pulled the mouse toward him and their lips met in a rush of bubbles, arms and legs wrapping instantly
8: as each of their bodies sought to join the other. Holiday's arms around him were anything but ladylike. They clung to him and held him and countenanced no objection and the squirrel's grip was no different.
3: He didn't bat an eyelash when his hand slid down the slope of the mouse's muscular back and cupped a perfectly rounded, perfectly firm buttock. He squeezed it and held it and pulled that beautiful body against his as if he could absorb it. They kissed with eyes open because no fantasy or dream could be more enticing,
10: more relaxing, and more satisfying than this. Tumbling weightlessly with rain pattering far overhead, sunlight pouring in from above and reflecting off the sandy rocks from below. And then, for an instant, as the mouse's eyes passed from green to violet, into a momentary ordinary blue hue, a pang of recognition. The male in his arms was, was not, not
6: some stranger, called Holiday. The squirrel had seen him before. And as the kissing and the grinding and the groping grew more intimate on both sides, the squirrel let his mind drift. To place the face. A worm sheath
2: spilled into his paw. The first, other than his own, that he'd ever handled in a sexual fashion. But it seemed so natural now. Skinning back the soft sheath to expose the hardening flesh inside. And the same was done to him, though
11: Holiday seemed to know much better than the squirrel what he was doing.
4: It felt nice to be sharing this, and the fact that this was another male, a stranger no less matter not a jot,
2: hands, lips, tongue, Tongue bodies rubbed together in a celebration of the male body, which for the squirrel squirrel
9: became a whirlwind of sensations, applauded by by the the sound of the rain and the clash of water
10: that jetted from the stream, over the short waterfall and into the lake, an upside-down fountain of airy foam that the squirrel could see just behind the mouse.
3: His actions flowed smoothly from the feel of firm thigh, strong calf, smoothly rippled belly, nuzzling and licking where it
6: felt right to do so, all the while wondering why this marvellous body was so familiar
8: to him. And then the squirrel was floating high above the work floor in his office a well-lit atrium with balconies of four floors surrounding the open space between the glass dome overhead and and the the work floor beneath, and the squirrel and the mouse
11: were floating below the dome for all to see and none to notice.
0: Warm lips surrounded a part of him that up to now he'd shared only with his wife, and the sensation excited the squirrel enough that he sought immediately to return it. And as the two bodies spun, spun in the stance of deliciously shared
4: intimacy, A glint of brown far below caught the squirrel's eye, and a glint of white right after. He saw himself, a few years younger,
10: younger, slightly less gray around the whiskers, and a good deal more stooped around the shoulders, scooting left to right to dodge people on the work floor, people who worked for him, but who had become so accustomed to the squirrel's apologetic attitude that they took it for granted and no longer stepped aside for their boss. None of them
7: except one. White mouse in a short-sleeved shirt, his arms piled high with rolls of blue paper that lent their color to the white of his arms. Not even noticing him at first, the squirrel staggered on as usual, but something made him turn and look at the mouse, who smiled, and the the squirrel smiled as well, and though it only
4: lasted an instant, that glance seemed as deep a connection as the older squirrel and the rainbow mouse floating under the glass dome were experiencing... Mouse engaged in an act of mutual pleasure that would never before have even occurred to the squirrel.
5: The memory vanished. The hill with its maple tree, the fields with their herds, the glen with its river, the lake with its fish, and the squirrel with his mouse. All of it vanished. But not the feeling. That marvelous feeling of a moment of stray, meaningless but powerful connection in a life swirling with obligation and love. A moment, perhaps, of irrational and unapologetic infatuation. The squirrel, lying on the futon and dreaming
2: silly dreams, smiled at that. Perhaps he'd been in love with the handsome mouse for just the instant their eyes met, and forgot about it immediately after. Blown along in the stream of business and troubles the squirrel perpetually piled on himself. That the mouse was male didn't matter. That the moment was fleeting and long gone didn't matter. That the squirrel was married didn't matter because for that one moment, he was in love. And when you're in love, there is no pain or worry or concern, no matter how short that infatuation might be.
9: That thought might have filled him with despair. Despair that perhaps the squirrel didn't love his wife as much as he thought he did, and that he didn't know the mouse's real name. Despair that he had been young enough then to start a fresh life for the mouse and that he was too old now, but really, there was none of that. No despair nor uncertainty. He loved his wife. He had never seen the mouse again. He was going gray, and that was how the world should be.
1: Everything was as it should be. He was a man with a family he, he could care for and work that inspired him. That rewarded his diligence and his efforts, and those were no small accomplishments. And he may have forgotten it, but he remembered now that he was also a man with a heart. With passions and depths he hadn't yet explored for himself, nor shared with those he loved. With the memory came a realization that gave him a sense of hope the squirrel hadn't realized he'd missed. That there was plenty of interest to fill his remaining years. When the squirrel sat up, he couldn't remember why he was smiling. Soft jazz played in Miss Muniz's office, and the leather of the futon felt very warm indeed. He scratched at his whiskers and quickly hid his smile, as he always did, though he was surprised at how much effort it took him this time. "'I'm sorry,' he said, and folded his ears, surprised once again at how quickly they sprung back up again. "'I don't think I'm relaxed enough for this to work,' The squirrel stood, and instead of tightening his tie as he usually did, he merely brushed his hand over it, enjoying the feel of cool silk and appreciating that the tie was perfectly comfortable. He looked past the koala, who was putting the pendulum crystal back in her drawer, and noticed the clock. "'Oh, I'm sorry. I seem to have gone over time,' the squirrel said hastily, but the koala, as usual, smiled. "'That's all right, Emil. I think it was time well spent.' The words were courteous and professional, and seemed to ease not just his concern for having overstepped this session's hour by a full two minutes, but that his lateness at the business lunch that was next on his schedule was now also excused. With a nod and a smile, the squirrel straightened up and took a deep breath. The air in the office was stuffy, the scented candles crude and overpowering, but the breath was satisfying regardless. He glanced, again at the clock, his wife had remarked that he always looked at clocks like the vein always look in mirrors, and then past the clock and at the picture of the maple tree on the hill. There was nothing familiar about it, other than that he'd seen it in Miss Muniz's office during every one of their sessions so far, but he'd simply never considered it before. It's pretty, isn't it? said Miss Muniz, standing beside the squirrel by the door, regarding the picture in its frame along with him. I'm afraid it's nothing special, just a cheap knock-off print I got from a museum gift shop a few years back. You can easily tell it isn't real paint up close. That's why I keep it in the corner. But I like it. She looked at him, the way the squirrel gazed at the picture with a look of peace and contentment that seemed wholly out of place on the hard-working squirrel's face. Would you like me to look up where they're sold? Oh, no need, said the squirrel, shaking his head to stop gawking like a silly person. The words he expected himself to say were, I have no need of a painting in my office or my house, thank you. But instead, what he said was, I'll enjoy looking for it myself. This was
0: The Session by Khaki. Read for you by the Friends of the Fireplace. Khaki, your faithful fireside companion. Rob McWolf, werewolf hitchhiker. Curgybeat. A Full Time Panther Takom Ironhoof The Equine Charmer BP Rugger The Ineffable Moo Moon Killick The Dungeon Master Dog Nenakiri Bookworm The Bespectacled Dragon Crimson Rowery The Mountain Smith Madison Scott Clary Whose Tale is Behind Her Dirt from Twitter.com Carizo Your Coyote in the Court Draylin, the dapper dragon fox, and Tempo, a fluffy dog in a cowboy hat. You can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog, or find the show wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.